Joining me today is a comedian, a writer for the Daily News and The Spectator, the former sex columnist at Playboy, and a woman in the midst of taking off Twitter for Lent, Bridget Fantasy. Welcome to The Rubin Report. Thank you for having me. You are in the midst of taking off Twitter for Lent, as I just said. You are, you are on a break from little I, characters <laughs> and attacking people and owning people and, and destroying attacked. people and getting attacked. I know exactly I can see how why Jesus you're felt. Yeah. <laughs> How's it going? Before uh, we get into anything else about you, I mean, how, so first off, how long have you been doing it for a couple weeks now? Okay, yeah, so I inadvertently didn't know that this was the longest Lent ever, yeah. so it's normally 40 days, but because of the way Easter falls, it's 46 days. Oh, man. And I'm, uh, there's 26 days left, so I'm 40 days, in, or sorry, 20 days in right. um, of my 46, which so is... So why Twitter? Why giving up Twitter, of all things? So I have not many vices left. I've given up drinking, I've given up smoking weed, I've given up I mean, if there's something you can quit, I pretty much quit it, other than coffee and Twitter. And I thought that I would give up coffee because that was the easiest of the two. And I tried to do that and I wanted to kill myself. And so I decided that I would give up Twitter. And I'm like you, I take weekends off sometimes, I try. And I felt in February really addicted to it. I remember there would be days where I'd say, okay, 9 a.m., you're off. You shouldn't even be doing it in the morning, but by 9 a.m., get off and go do something. And then it's 11. And I'm like, well, I'll just do until 11. Yeah. And then it's noon. And then, and this is very ad- addictive thinking, oh, well, I've already ruined my whole half of my day, so now just until the rest of the day, I'm just going to tweet. And right. I can feel myself that refresh, 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 like a little rat. What was that like when you realized that the kick that you're getting, Ooh. the dopamine kick or whatever it is, is sort of like some of the things that you've quit? Because you've been, you've been sober for about five years? Yep, yeah. a five and a half, a little bit. Who's, and the, it wasn't necessarily noticing the kick, it was noticing the inability to the lack of power, feeling kind of powerless over being able to stop when I wanted to stop. Yeah. If I put a, an end time, not being able to meet that end time, having it, I, it's very much like my life started feeling a little bit unmanageable. Yeah. Things were, and even just seeing how much, the most interesting thing that's come of the two weeks or little more than, um, I guess almost three weeks now, is how much physical energy I have. So how this, and this I haven't really found the science on because I'm a nerd, so I went down all these science holes and now I'm looking at reading this book, Irresistible, which is all about screen addiction and all the studies and it's brilliant. But why do I, how is something so passive taking Mm -hmm. so much energy? Actual physical energy. So you physically feel better, right? Oh, physically I have so much actual energy. And is it just because the adrenals, you're getting kind of fired up when you you have that adrenaline? I don't know how you feel when you're on. I generally step away if I start feeling reactive. Yeah. If if I start feeling my heart racing, and even when I'm kind of addicted, I'm like, okay, Bridget. Yeah, (laughs) what what, what do you think about that? Step away. what, What about the mental clarity? So that's been, the productivity is, I've written, I've been doing a daily writing prompt on my Patreon. I've written, just that alone, I've done 15,000 words. I wrote a 12-page book proposal. I did, I've been keeping diary of a Twitter junkie, just a daily how I feel and whatnot. Mm -hmm. And 
Um, that's another probably 20,000 words. I've pretty much written a book. <laughs> yeah, good. I mean, that, that's why you're doing it, right? <laughs> Just about, to... That's about the same amount that I probably would have written on Twitter. Yeah, <laughs> right, exactly. Um, so it's interesting because when I've done this, and as you know, I do the weekends yeah. and I do the August thing, what I found is, especially when it's not just the weekend, when it's the longer one, is that I'm just generally calmer. Like I'm not that mm. neurotic or whatever in general. Okay. But I find that like like my patience level, like if I'm at the supermarket, you know, normally you're like checking out and you're maybe looking at your phone mm. or whatever. Where now it's like I'm more inclined to say hello to the person that's checking ah. me out or just like a little more presence. I'm I so much more present. Yeah. Definitely. That that has been a remarkable difference in everything. And even people in my family and my sister, we were joking about the other day and she said, eh, you are more present, even yeah. just on the phone with her yeah. and in my life. And I, I feel like even my dog notices it. It yeah. just, my dog seems <laughs> more connected to me. And yeah. I'm like, is this because I'm just not on my phone all the time? And it's the but I'm a maniac. I have an addictive personality and I'm just a maniac in general. And so the first week I would say I went through real withdrawal. Are you trying to do your taxes all by yourself? You know, licensed professionals are much better suited to help you navigate through all the new tax codes. TaxFile connects you to CPAs and IRS enrolled agents who can help. Just visit taxfile.com slash Rubin, create an account, and TaxFile will provide a quote and match you to thousands of professionals ready to work with you instantly. This week, my listeners can get $50 off by using code Rubin during checkout. Simply go to taxfile.com slash Rubin, taxfile.com, and enter code Rubin at checkout. That's $50 off on-demand professional services to file your taxes for you. Plus, TaxFile has apps for iOS and Android so you can securely chat with your tax pro on the go. That's taxfile.com, promo code Ruben for $50 off your tax job. Also, you can feel safe knowing that all your information is secure as TaxFile adheres to advanced encryption standards. Pros on TaxFile have an average of 14 years experience. Access them 24 seven from your smartphone or computer. TaxFile will quickly solve your tax needs this season and provide you with expert year round instant support. And now back to the show. And it was interesting because I went to, I went to mass on Ash Wednesday mm -hmm. because I figured if I was gonna do it, I might as well partake in my ritual. Mm -hmm. I'm not some great Catholic, but I went and I was feeling kind of ashamed that I was quitting something so stupid as Twitter. And the priest or the Monsignor gets up and he's giving his sermon and he says Lent means slow in French and that it means this is a time we're supposed to go within and look at how we can help those who are suffering. And and he said we need to slow down and then he reaches under his cassock and he pulls out his cell phone ah. and holds it up in front of the whole parish and says, and put these down. Yeah. And I looked around and I was like, we have a problem society. When a priest is, is, is up on the, right. and he's holding up his cell Delete phone in front Instagram. of the parish, telling you to put it down, it's like destroying your relationships here. And that was, and then I look over at my aunt who's on her phone in the church, which right. is hilarious. Well, it's interesting because it's like, we can't quite quantify how having access to this much information so fast 
just out of nowhere, basically, only within the last, right. say, 10 years, we have just no idea how it's rewiring our brain, the way we think, the way we behave, the way we yes. connect with each other. There, well, also. they do all these studies on empathy with younger kids and how that's, you need to have those. One of the things about the world we live in, even just cancel culture, et cetera, I feel like there's this diminishment of being awkward. You can't, nobody is allowed to have mm -hmm. these awkward interactions, which is how you, you might say something wrong and then somebody will have a look on their face and you know, oh, I went, I stepped over a line. Yeah. But because everybody's living in so much fear of saying the wrong thing, or there there isn't this like awkward, or they're just on their phones where they can have text message interactions and not hear tone and body language. So there's this loss of of making mistakes mm -hmm. and being awkward and even I'm and you see it all across the board right now. Yeah. So that that's been it has been interesting just if you sit in a restaurant and you are say you and I went to eat and you went to the restroom and I just sat there and did not look at my phone, I would look like a psychopath. Yeah. Everyone oh my God, <laughs> she's just sitting there yeah. looking at the wall? Right. And this in the book, Irresistible, he says that there's this inability for us to just be bored, mm -hmm. that as humans, we used to just have this idle time. And I look at my screen time and you know, you'll see your screen report and it'll say something like, oh, your screen time is down 45%. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're like, hooray. And then it's like to five hours. Right, to 27 <laughs> yeah, hours a day. What am I doing? Yeah. Yeah. What am I doing for five? And the number of times you pick it up, I we're rats, we're lab rats. Is the catch 22 though, that the internet and all this connectivity has also given us, I mean, I can talk about just the two of us. We live yeah. in the digital space and we've created things that people appreciate and all those things. It's also given us everything that we want in, in a certain way. Like I'm so appreciative of my life and it's through that connectivity. I know. But that doesn't mean it, it's not a dangerous sword to wield, I suppose. And I would feel so isolated ideologically. And yeah. In, in tw like 2016, approaching 2016, being in LA, I started feeling like I was going crazy. <laughs> I, truly. Yeah. And it was you and people, finding people like you online, and that's how I kind of came out of the space of, I would say I was just living in the, on Twitter, I was really just around comedians and writers, and then slowly kind of drifted into political Twitter, which was always there. Yeah, and, and now you're full on alt-right. <laughs> now I'm, I'm on your show yeah. and I'm a Nazi. <laughs> yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm happy to be inducted into this club. Yeah, all right, so let's, let's go there for a second. So one of the things that, the reason that I've wanted to have you on for quite some time is I've sort of been watching through <laughs> Twitter your, your, what I would say, political awakening is, because you strike me as just a sort of old school, lefty, liberal, yeah. whatever, but you are seriously waking up to or have woken up to just the the postmodern thinking and leftist nonsense and all of this stuff about free speech and we'll talk about me too in the piece you wrote and and a series of other things like it seems like every day I can see you getting like a little more and a but little see, more this like is the... here we are people is anyone sane <laughs> But this is the problem. So I have I have to check myself. And these are the questions like that I would have for you, for instance, as somebody with what I thought were liberal values. Yeah. I I don't like how in this tribal world it's like 
the left gets social justice and the right gets family values. No, mm-hmm. those everybody should care about those things. I know plenty of people on the right who care about social justice and plenty of people on the left who care about family yeah. values. Well, how would you define social justice when you say that? Um, oh, gosh. I, I mean, I think just caring about other people. I yeah. feel like there's an idea that people on the right are callous and just don't care about Right, they only else. care about taxes. And, right, yeah. money and themselves yeah. and, and essentially are... There's a callousness, I would think, that is applied to that but i i do think that people i found that to be completely untrue by the I, way the I more that i've met these people i think yeah. i did think that years ago so my biggest thing that i have to check myself is am i reacting to rejection so in being somewhat rejected by the former party although i don't feel rejected i feel like i didn't move it just went <laughs> Welcome okay, to my bye. world, sister. Yeah. Where did you, you know, like they're drifting away. Yeah. And I, I'm, I kind of, I explain it to people like I was this customer, a regular at a bar, and I was a regular at the bar, and then they took me as the voter, for instance, and they, yeah. and I just kind of went to that bar all the time. They knew me. I grew up going to that bar with my grandpa, and my dad. You yeah. know, it was a, a family bar tradition, and. Then suddenly they stopped caring about me and they started caring about the hipsters with the beards and craft beers and stuff. And they stopped caring about just their regular customers and the normal common sense folk and started making these fancy drinks. (laughs) (laughs) I like this metaphor. I like this metaphor. They somehow lost me as a customer because now I am a registered independent. And you'll see the criticism of on the left, I see this a lot of, well, um, somebody said something I didn't like and so I stopped believing in, in, you know, equality and women's rights and I abandoned all of my principles and became a conservative. And I don't, I don't think that's a fair assessment. It, that assessment, I think, has no self-reflection, which is my biggest I, that's really, people accuse me too. They say, oh, you don't call out the right enough. Well, I'm not a conservative. Yeah. I don't know anything. I'm learning about conservatism, but I didn't know anything. I didn't, I wasn't raised, I was raised a blue blood Yankee Democrat liberal. My parents sang for the, my dad sang for the Kennedys. Like that, that was where I came from. Yeah. And so coming I just wasn't really paying attention, <laughs> and then suddenly I felt like that. What's happening? Yeah. How are these? How how is it that there? You know, it's suddenly like punk rock to be conservative. All right, all right. I want to back up to this bar <laughs> metaphor. I uh-huh. like what you're doing here. So okay, now the hipsters come in. They've got their fancy <laughs> drinks. You know, you you don't know where you are anymore. The bar right. that you and your dad and your grandpa are in. Where do you go? So you walk out of the bar. What happens now? I'm Let's welcomed go with, this with open thing. arms by the alt-right. <laughs> yeah. But are you shocked when you go into the other bar next door that you thought was the evil bar and you realize that, whoa, there's some decent people in this in this crazy conservative yeah, righty world? People are people. I'm always like, are you... I moved every year and a half growing up. So I'm very sensitive to mob mentality in general. I'm very aware of groups and how they like to form and tribes. And I've always been the girl on the outside kind of looking in. So this space that I'm occupying now is not really that unfamiliar to me. But what was shocking was finding that they weren't evil, these like evil people. And that they're 
values, you know, we can have differences <laughs> and of opinion and that seems to be the thing that concerns me the most is that there doesn't seem to be any tolerance for difference, differing opinions or nuance, which is what's worrisome. And so the new bar seems to be a little bit more tolerant. However, I'm also aware that they're more than happily, happily they will more than happily weaponize somebody like me mm -hmm. as like the disaffected liberal who no longer, you know, who is rejected from her tribe essentially. Right, so, but isn't that true? So how, how, well, do they, how do they weaponize that? Because people will say that to me. Well, see, you left the left, and now the right's embracing you because they just they want to use you to show that that you're not that bad, or or that they're not that bad, or something like well, that. I'm I, like, what I mean well, I mean they don't seem to be that bad. You know? No, it's true. But what I mean by weaponize is that they'll happily abandon me if I don't. It's not like they're taking me in as one of them. Yeah. So they're not taking me in to their tribe for to protect me. And the minute that I express any nuance. For for in anything that might not be in alignment with them, there there will be no defense of of me. I'm pretty. I bet I bet that will change. I bet you your thoughts so? on that will change. Yeah, because I go to all these conservative turning point college events and I talk about being pro-choice and gay married and pro-weed and for strong prison reform and against mm -hmm. the death penalty, all these lefty things, uh -huh. and they keep inviting me back. Okay. They, they love the differences. That, I mean, that's really what I'm finding. But I, I hear you. Like okay. it's, weird, it's weird to think that's possible when you're in that new bar, uh, yeah. you know? But, uh, I, but that's I just what I found. I, I found they're more open-minded and yeah. I can have these discussions with openly about things that I didn't feel like there, again, there was not room for discussion. And there have been just the, the most, my awakening really came when I started noticing that I was self-censoring. So mm -hmm. I just started recognizing that I was not speaking freely. And even when I went and did Michael Knowles' show, I remember we were all just in makeup and talking, and I was like, oh, it's so nice to be able to just speak freely and mm -hmm. not be walking on eggshells and afraid that I'm going to use the wrong term or what, wrong anything. And just that recognizing that that was happening was something that pushed, you know, I would say was where not only was I ignored at the bar, but suddenly I, I was not sure I wanted to be in that bar anymore yeah, yeah. because I felt like I, I wasn't really welcome. And Part of me is, is am I just old? <laughs> you know, is, this, think that's is this just progress? And maybe I'm like the old lady that's like, this isn't the way things like are. <laughs> I seriously hope not. <laughs> I think I'm only two years older than you yeah, or something but, like that. You know, I mean, there there is a certain amount of stuff that I've learned from younger women where yeah. They've, they're, the whole stuff with consent culture, for example, I, I think that, again, it's, it's eroding a lot of awkwardness and the like, can I touch your hair? Yes, can I, t and just human sexuality trying to put that much control on it is crazy to me. However, they, the younger women are like, just because you old bags put up with like somebody smacking your ass while you're waitressing doesn't mean mm. that we have to. And right, that's right. okay, fair enough. But th but that's different than than consent culture, right? Yeah. Like, I think most <laughs> most decent people. I think probably most of those scary conservatives in that bar, yeah. they're probably not slapping <laughs> the waitress's ass in that bar. I mean, Actually, you know what? They're secretly doing it in the first bar you were in, <laughs> but at the same time, they're pretending that they they're I all about women and I all that. I think it's all across the Board, though. Yeah. I mean, I've experienced that. Yeah. That's that's just. It, I would say, yeah. It's it's. 
I think my point was really that I just probably turn my head to a certain amount of sexual harassment like that the younger right. generation just doesn't accept which is not a bad thing so where do you how do you you've, you've written about this a little bit how do you draw the lines on all of that what you're describing is just sort of basic human emotion with each other and that we need a certain amount of freedom and ability to make mistakes and push <sighs> each other and and that we have certain desires and that you know but they can't be just like unbridled desires and all of that with a culture now where you know they want you to sign documents before you yeah, hook up with apps, people, apps. and there's apps where you both have to consent. We're going to do mm -hmm. this, this, but this, but then and this, consent or, can be withdrawn retroactively. I think you can still look back and say, "Oh no, I didn't." <laughs> What's yeah. the point of consent? Well, if you can that, take it back. There's that ridiculous story from like a year ago. I forget what school it was. Where both students, the male and the female, after accused each other of rape. Oh. They both accused each other because they wanted to get the leg up on the other one quick. Like uh, that's how. So how do you how do you manage? I mean, as someone that that writes about sex and all this stuff, how do you how do you negotiate that? I mean, this was part of the reason that I I think, again, when you want to talk about my <laughs> awakening, I was the girl that was writing for Playboy like it was still the 90s because right. I, I didn't go to college, and so I didn't have the indoctrination of a lot of this woke culture. I'm not woke at all. Lots of things scare us, but the worst fear is probably a home invasion. I don't want anyone in my house who's not invited. You can stop fear right at your front door with Simply Safe, an exceptional home security company that knows it feels good to fear less. Simply Safe is award-winning 24/7 protection that protects your home through it all, blizzards, blackouts, and burglars. Simply Safe has won awards from all the tech experts who count. The Verge calls it the best home security and it's won Reader's Choice from PC Magazine. Simply Safe is a two-time winner of CNET Editor's Choice and Wirecutter Top Pick. Simply Safe has no contract, no hidden fees, and no gotchas, and they will always keep prices fair and honest. Thanks to Simply Safe, fear has no place in a place like home. Feel safer today. Try Simply Safe with free shipping and free returns. You get a 60 day risk free trial too. Order now and have your home protected within a week. Go to simplysafe.com slash Ruben to get started today. That's simplysafe.com slash Ruben. Be sure to go there now so they know we sent you simplysafe.com slash Ruben. And now back to the show. And I would say things like, in my first article, um, it was, uh, women date assholes because you're a pussy. <laughs> and it did not go over well uh -huh. with the left or the right. That was the first time that I was like mutually getting. So what was the hate you were getting from each side? The men's rights activists and stuff were saying like that men don't generally like being called pussies if mm -hmm. you if you can't if I mean essentially they're like oh so if I can't get laid I'm a pussy you know like that screw you and then that it was like toxic masculinity on the on from the like extreme feminists and yeah. that happened to me a lot the extreme men and women often i don't think they realize how close in the circle they are what, what do you make of that whole situation right now that it seems like at some level we're entering like this low-grade war of the sexes like yeah. this sounds like a bizarre dystopian story no i know and it's i i don't think that so I don't think you need to emasculate men in order to empower women. And I feel like this is kind of the, there's so many double, it, it's like 
okay, so you're talking to me about toxic masculinity and you're saying toxic masculinity this and men can't show their emotions. Oh, but sit the sit down and shut up. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Actually, we don't want to hear from you at all, guys. Unless you are a, a trans man or unless you are a person of color who's gay. Or if, if you yeah. check some boxes, we you're allowed to speak. But other than that, if you're a white male, like, shut up. Yeah. Well, where does that fall into your toxic masculinity? And how is that helpful? How, because from my experience writing for men and hearing from men, um, cis, hetero men, the, the red-blooded American male, my, the alpha male yeah. men, my kind of dude, um, they are struggling. You know, they, they're, I, I would, I did some, some of my favorite pieces were pieces like on balding or um, premature ejaculation. And men, I'd say, hey guys, what do you think about this? And it would be essays, mm -hmm. thousands of words. No one's really asking them questions, how they're doing. And when you do ask them, hey, how are you doing? It's like a, a fountain of pain, well, essentially. Yeah, it's so fascinating to me because, as you know, I've been on tour with Jordan Peterson yeah. for the oh, last yeah. year, and it's like people always say it's angry young men coming to his shows. And first yeah. of all, I don't find them to be angry, but they are people that are trying to put their lives together. But I always think it's such an odd criticism because let's pretend it was 90% angry, white, cisgendered, toxic men, and he was helping them deal with some of their issues, that would be a good thing. Right. So the blanket accusation of, oh, you know, you're just writing for straight white men or that it's mostly straight white men that show up to these things and I'm not even saying that's the case. It's it's such a low level argument because everyone needs help regardless of their gender or their skin uh, skin color or whatever. Yeah, and people are you know, women have been given I feel more tools and they they just are allowed to express themselves emotionally in society and men really aren't. And so it, it they don't have tools. They just don't have as many and they don't feel as comfortable opening up I don't feel like men particularly feel comfortable opening up even to other men, although they might be getting better at that. But it does seem like they'll open up to me because they feel comfortable. I also, I just don't really judge anyone for whatever they, they come to me with. And I'm certainly not judging someone by the color of their skin or by whatever their politics might be because I feel like first we have to meet as humans and I feel like we're all just on the same kind of sinking ship together. And, you know, it's like fighting over the last seat on the Titanic. Like, wh why are we, what is, how is this helpful? I don't see the discourse right now being helpful. And I don't see how you basically taking an entire group of people and saying, sit down and shut up is, is helpful. I, it, how is oppressing a whole nother group of people how is it doing the same thing that you was done to you? How does that help? How? Yeah. How? I was having a, a lunch meeting with somebody just about some business stuff, and but he didn't actually know that much about my politics right. other, other than what I do. And we had this really good meeting, and then at the end, something about politics directly came up, and he started saying this thing about how it should be all women. We should just get rid of all men in politics, and it should be all women, and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and we have to topple the patriarchy and everything else. <laughs> And I thought, A, you're talking about, you, you, he was a white man. I mean, so you're, you're talking about taking yourself down. Uh -huh. and he was also, he struck me as very successful, probably a millionaire. Uh -huh. Like, you're, you're like, want to take all that down. But also, what are you actually saying? So it's not inherent that if you just had all women doing things, that things would be better. But that seems to be the weird 
place that we're in. I wouldn't. I don't think things would be better if we only had men doing it either. No, and again, like you to go back to your point about the war of the sexes, we are, which is also a weird thing too, just because of all of the gender stuff too. It's like this weird war of the sexes that's occurring under the the idea that gender is a social construct. I'm like. Right, it's like that's multi-layered nonsense. I feel nonsense. like I'm losing my mind, and yeah. I think a lot of people do. Just normal people. My, I mean, I I did a piece, or I'm doing working on a piece, and I asked people to email me like, "How are you being self How are you self censoring? What's oh, happening?" Oh, I saw when you did this on Twitter. Yeah. Yeah, and got immediately. Everyone was like, "Don't write this piece." And okay, right. So you now started. I have you to started getting attacked by blue check verified journalists saying, to, "Don't write this." Piece. Yeah. Journalists telling other journalists not to write a piece. It's crazy, yeah. but it's like it's like comedians policing other comedians for jokes. This is another thing that I'm like, are you kidding me, guys? Yeah. When when did you become like? I remember when everybody on the right was getting mad about rap music. Like, how is this the? How are you the new like? Yeah, you PC literally have police. lefty comics calling for books not to be published. Oh, it, I mean, it's it's not. So I and a lot of these mommies are getting shamed out of mommy groups because they're not um, playing by the the gender thing. Or they don't understand it, or they're just trying. People are just trying to catch up and change in like one year. Yeah. And so one woman was writing me that um, she went to get a birthday present, and she walked into the store. She lives in a liberal, you know, I think she's on the East Coast in New York somewhere, and she said, "Oh, I can you wrap this for a girl?" And the woman. Oh my God. <laughs> she said, You would have thought I asked for. And the woman was like, We don't do that here. Ugh. Excuse me. We have brown, we have white, we have gray. Yeah. We don't rap for a gender. And Ugh. she was rude to her about it. And the lady said, Uh, white? You know, she didn't know. And this is turning. And I think this is why I scream. To the to the left, the most yeah. is that they don't understand that they're pushing people away. How much of it do you think is just that they they have this thing where it's like if you don't accept what they accept as true, the second they accept it, you're the bad guy. So if you don't come around to exactly how they are on trans issues right now, <laughs> you know what I mean. Even if you're you're yeah. respectful of trans people and yeah. you're really trying to understand these issues and understand gender and sexuality and yeah. all of these things, but if you don't do it the second they do it, <laughs> if you don't come around to gay marriage the second they do it, you know, let's not forget Barack Obama was not for gay marriage the yeah. first time he ran. History will not be too kind to him uh, <laughs> by these people's yeah, estimation. But it, it's it, the, I don't. Most people don't even know. They're just they're. And they kind of stumble into these, into these inadvertent. My friend, for example, who did my makeup, she said, um, she said, my kids are coming home with fully formed opinions about Trump. They're eight and eleven <sighs> that she's not giving them. She said, so where are they getting these opinions? I had a family member who is heard, she freaking out about that? I mean, she's I, I, she just she says, you know, everybody they have conversations about it in their home. She did makeup for somebody. She posted a picture of uh, um, <laughs> herself and Ann Coulter. Just uh, was like, hey, look who I did again. Yeah. Stumbled into and she said she got completely eviscerated on Facebook and didn't even see it coming. So I think a lot of people have when they see this, you know. These kill shots that they, they, they always go everybody swarms mm -hmm. and other people observe this and the, the public shaming and then it 
silences them. So every time these little, and we don't know how many of these little micro shamings are occurring all across America. And what worries me, well, not worries me, but what's interesting to me is how many people there are like me who have, and you know, people are coming from the right as well for mm -hmm. their own reasons. Mm -hmm. um, and now they're, you know, independence. They're basically like, well, I, I'm, there's crazy stuff on both sides. Mm -hmm. And I believe in common sense and reason and nuance and free speech and the, you know, scientific method. And some <laughs> radical shit. That's it's what you're trying radical. To tell me. Yeah. I had a dream last night actually. I was I think I was nervous and I had a dream that I was on the show uh -oh. and I said, I'm coming in hot, Dave. I haven't <laughs> been on Twitter and it is liberating because I don't have to hear anything and I can say anything like boys and girls are different. Yeah. And, and you, you won't in know. my dream were like, don't say that. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're welcome to say it in reality. But the beauty of this is, so when we post this episode, God only knows what you've said already that I'm will offend know. the masses, and you won't even know for weeks. But your cousin, uh, what's her name? Maggie. Your cousin Maggie yeah. is running your Twitter account yes. right now and, and sharing some stuff and all that. So do you think there's any chance that some kind of new center can develop here? I think there, I'm optimistic. I run optimistic. I generally think that, um, I hope I saw I, I saw Claire's interview and you know she was saying we have to share the risk and I yeah, love that Claire idea. Lumen yes. Colette, yeah. mm -hmm. I love that idea of sharing the risk that but I also have nothing to lose. I don't have children in school who will be punished by my politics, by their teachers. I mean, one of my family members during the election, she had to tell her kids that her teachers were insane because of the stuff they were coming home and telling her and they were crying and, you know, these are adults who are supposed to be teaching children. And, yeah. she, and she just said I had to tell them, like, your, your, our, your teachers are insane. Right. You're basically sending your kids <laughs> to a mental institution all day long and then you bring them home and you go, all right, what whack? Out, what did you hear crap today? That they come up with today yeah and so I don't have and I'm not working in a corporation where I have a job that I could lose I don't deal with HR thank God yeah. because that sounds like a nightmare but you don't have nothing to lose because you've got writing gigs and you've got well, other I, ways that you I support mean, yourself I mean the, the mob can come for anybody right like so it's not nothing but people I guess I'll probably never know, somebody like me will never know what I've lost. So for instance, I don't know what doors have shut. I know that my politics on Twitter will keep me out of writer's rooms for, for sure. Yeah. And I know, and I actually know that for a fact that even somebody looking for someone who is somewhat centrist thought that I was too far right, which is... Right, well that's what they do to everybody. Crazy. So that, that's the, that's the I mean, problem, right? I mean, it's, so I know, I don't know that some showrunner won't see my Twitter and say, no, forget that girl, she's a Nazi. Mm -hmm. um, I, I do know that I had a really brilliant editor, Joe Donatelli. He was my first editor at Playboy, and he said, die on your own sword. And I love that, because that really is all that I can do and all that we can do. And the great thing about the Twitter hiatus has been really being able to step back and look at the big picture and perspective and the bigger themes that keep coming up within these little mini micro outrages and news cycles that we get all mm -hmm. juiced up by. And one of those is free speech. I will die on that hill. That yeah. is a hill I will die on. I'll be right I, there with you. Yeah, sister. I will die on that hill. And I, and that was the biggest thing that I saw. Um, you know, I have Art Tavana. He has 
amazing profiles with people that nobody will publish yeah. because they're just considered toxic or whatever. He, he's a great writer. He's, oh, we, he's we were talking about him right before this. He wrote a he happened to write a really nice piece about me in Playboy where he uh, where he was also critical of me and, and yeah. but it was but he's an actual journalist and I thought yeah. it took a lot for me to be willing to let him spend a day with me because I've been thrown under the bus by these guys who have been in my home many times. <laughs> but like I watched him for a while and I was like he seems decent enough. And he's just he was on my podcast and he's yeah. great and he's been checking in with me during this Twitter hiatus and yeah. said I was essentially bananas, but Art was the one who I was. We were talking about this, you know. Do I have anything to lose? And I said, Well, I. The hard thing for me being off Twitter is that I really can trace every single dollar that I make through Twitter, whether it's through an editor who found me. Mm -hmm. That's how Playboy originally found me. That's how I mo most of my patrons come through um, Twitter. And he said, well, you're just a drug addict that started cooking meth in your basement. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh no, but I do, I wouldn't have met art. Yeah. And so there is this, again, I'm optimistic. I think that we, there's this double-edged sword of like, we are connected. And we have our, the conversations that are happening on podcasts that you have, that Joe Rogan's having. I know you guys are. I'll I'll paying the price for it. I cannot tell you how many men have told me Jordan Peterson literally saved their life. Yeah. Whatever they want to think about him, he's helping people in a really tangible way, and that is that is up. That's. That is hopeful for me. However, when I see that there are less and less outlets for this, that the gatekeepers seem to be, um, you know, shutting down, like, no conservative columnists if you're a leftist publication. Mm -hmm. The stuff I've seen in terms of deplatforming on Patreon, I mean, I shed lots of people. Yeah. You've Sorry left. about that. It's okay. I know we heard all our friends. I've had a lot of my because some of my friends are still on there and, and Brett's oh, still on there and Colin Moriarty's like on there and you're a, on it there. It was a big hit. And it's like I, in that regard, I kind of feel bad because we because Jordan, Sam, and I leaving did cause like this thing there. <laughs> for like little guys uh, like me. It's but like, I can promise you, my friend, there's some things coming. <laughs> I mean, there's at least two things coming. I I hope and so they're because be big and hopefully solve some of these problems. Yeah, there. That's what worries me is that I do. I do believe that being able to have hard conversations, talk about things, hear those things that you don't want to hear, but be able to listen to them, know who's saying those things. Mm -hmm. I want to know. Mm -hmm. I don't want them to have to go underground and start groups and, you know, like yeah. whatever they need to do. Yeah. Go have your crazy YouTube channel. But then again, I question the, you know, the, w what recently happened in New Zealand, the, these things that would generally be contained to small little groups in like basement somewhere now do have a platform to kind of spread these ideas quickly. Well, it was so interesting because the in the manifesto, he's basically saying he wants to start this war. Right. And then what does everyone do on both sides? They just start handing it to him and blame people blaming this person, right. and blaming this person, and blaming this person, and everyone calling each other Nazis. And it's like, <sighs> you guys literally, you're, 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 you're outsourcing your brains to people that are truly, truly dangerous. Yeah. You're, you're, you're saying to anyone that's out there, 
do something crazy, write something crazy, and we're all going to pay attention to it. Right. It's like it's like the worst. That's a good point. It really is the worst yeah. possible thing you can do. And, yet, and it's self. There's a lot of what I worried about. I wrote this piece for Playboy. Actually, they they let me write it, and it was um, Donald Trump is already making America great again. And I put it out on an inauguration. It was probably a little too soon for people to hear the message. Uh -huh. But essentially, it was looking at the silver lining. And I said in it, I worry about the self-fulfilling prophecy that every you know there's a great quote in that show Deadwood and he the doctor says um, I've seen more harm done with a man trying to justify themselves and a man seeking to do harm and this is what worries me and what I see where it's like you would rather have him be in collusion with Russia you would rather have him like be an, a a Nazi or whatever, so that you can be right? Yeah. Like, that's dangerous. Because in effect, you're saying you'd rather us be in World War Three, right? Because right. the truth is, if he had colluded. So that you can be right. Yeah. Like, guys, some of these things are good that they're not true. But yeah. that's, that, and you know, I again, I'm very much about doing work on yourself and keeping yourself in check. and. That is something I constantly have to keep, even with like the Jesse Small thing. It's always all along. I was like, eh, something ain't right about this. But the media goes all in on it. The candidates, the Democratic candidates, I, all said what evidence of our evil, racist country this is. I'm sure some of them haven't even deleted the tweets. But then today's news yeah. is basically everything dropped. Yeah. But as you So we're you, we're holding this for a couple of days. So it was a few days ago that yeah, <laughs> the, that yeah. the that the charges against him were all dropped. Right. And it's like, what? How are these charges dropped? There's the guys, there's the video of the guys picking up the noose. But I had to check myself during that process to make sure that I wasn't just excited that I wasn't so excited to be right mm -hmm. that I wasn't overlooking the fact that maybe he was actually, this thing did actually happen. I still don't think, think it did. Yeah. But in, through that whole process, you know, I think it's, this is where I think each individual, it, it falls on us to do our due diligence on not just the news and our sources of news, but on ourselves and how much are we hoping for something so that we can be right. That's uh, something I think we all have to, especially I would say to my friends on the left, really look at that. Like yeah. it's, it's good that even when it came out that he maybe faked a crime against himself, like it's good that these That's, guys I, aren't walking yeah. around Chicago beating people. That's a good thing. But in a weird way they need Trump to be a Russian, narr uh, a Russian the operative. Narrative. They need right for their narrative. They need the Jesse Smollett thing to be real to prove that America's racist, and these things consistently prove not to be real. But so, let's shift a little bit uh -huh. too, because uh, you, you write all sorts of things, I'm all and, over and the you place. usually dive into the the topics that are uh, the most controversial ones, yeah. which is that'll get you off Twitter pretty quick. Uh, <laughs> you just wrote this piece about uh, you don't have to go to college, basically. Um, <laughs> stop wasting your money. Stop on college. wasting your money uh, on that, college. I don't think that was very popular. <laughs> yeah, you, you did that in the Spectator pretty recently. Yeah, and uh, the I idea have... was that there are ways to get jobs in the future, trade schools, and all sorts of other things. Yeah. Uh, that maybe you don't need this brainwashing experience for four years and yep. the rest of it. I was speaking with Carol Roth and she's brilliant and very into finance and you know she made we were 
talking about this and she said just the idea that it's like the return on investment for six figures for a five figure return on investment yeah. just doesn't make sense right. and i can only speak from personal experience and i for some people college is what you need to do if you're going to specialize i my argument is that the automatic just go to college mentality and then getting out with this enormous amount of debt so that you can figure out what you want to do that's an expensive way to figure out what you want to do mm -hmm. and i realized this pretty quickly into my first year of college my i got after my first semester i saw my loans and the debt that i was already in after one semester and i always wanted to be a writer and i was like well i know how to write so i i don't need to spend four years doing this and then get out and have debt and then have to take jobs that I hate taking and be miserable so that I can pay off my debt. Or when I was working up on a goat farm in Northern California, there was a girl who had- Wait, why were the quotes around goat? Goat farm. Like, green goats? <laughs> green goats. Gotcha, gotcha, okay. Um, it was like this long-term joke. I told my family I was working on a goat farm and they, you know- Like I, a Humboldt County goat farm? <laughs> yeah, Is that what you're telling exactly. me? Gotcha, gotcha. And there was a lot of people there who basically, they, it was not in their benefit to go into the workforce above, you know, they were working under the table, obviously, because then it didn't trigger their student loans. So there's like the deferment. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, what you you're an engineer. Yeah. <laughs> why are you why are you sitting here with me? <laughs> and I think that there are a million ways to skin a cat. You know, you we need trade workers. We need we need um just so many different laborers that, and I've gotten a lot of criticism for this article and a lot of it is fair. Um, so, I, but is it also that we just don't need certain things that people are being taught? It's not only that we need people that have certain skills, like physical skills, but it's also that a lot of the stuff that people are majoring in college, <laughs> if you're majoring in, you know, feminist dance or lesbian oh badminton God. or, that, I mean, you know, any of these things, it's like, okay, well, what do you think you just paid for for all of those years? Yeah, and I think I said in my piece, like, you're, if you go get a degree in gender studies, you're really only good for writing blogs on the internet. Yeah. Like, that's, that's <laughs> it. What else are you gonna do with that? Maybe go teach. But yeah. what really, what- You use, teach gender studies, that's what you do. What do you do, though? Yeah. I mean, what do you do with that degree? So be practical about the, I'm, I generally, because I have had to pay for, I didn't have, if you, if someone's paying for college or whatever, go go to college get a degree there's a lot the pushback i've i've received that has been the most thoughtful is that statistically people die sooner if they don't go to college mm -hmm. now i would think i think this probably has a lot to do with socioeconomic factors that are not necessarily being taken into right. consideration there, there's a causation correlation thing going right on there, yeah. but there yeah exactly it, but i everybody went to college. So it's also a study that you're like, well, there's an entire generation of people that went to college. What about a generation of people who maybe went and became trade workers and maybe they went and uh, whatever, learned, taught themselves how to code online, which is what my another family member of mine did. There's so many. It also sounds like a new version of like, of like, servitude to me like when mm. when bernie gets out there and he's like free college for everyone which we know of course no is not free and then he says a guarantee of a federal job that sounds horrible <laughs> no. to me 
So we're going to force, I mean, in effect, you're going to force everyone to go to college because the few people who won't want to will be shamed into doing it and wasting their time when they probably have all sorts of other skills and can do all, you know, yeah. they can write without going to school or they can learn how to do coding or whatever else, learn to code. I don't know if I'm even allowed to say like, that. Can we say uh, that? Yeah, Boys like, and girls just learn to code. Yeah, <laughs> yeah okay. you're done. Um, <laughs> But like, and then the, the guarantee is that you'll get a federal job. That sounds oh, horrible. God, so you can me. work, you can be a pencil pusher for the government with no real chance of ever growing, but you know you'll never be fired, so you just stay there forever and just suck money off other people. Oh, that sounds I'm, terrible to I'm me. not a genius by any means, but I know I don't, it says you're a I don't here. want, no, I, I, I had don't something here want to work for the government. I don't want them to have much of my money to yeah. do things with. They just don't seem to be that effective from yeah. every government institution I've had to deal with. Yeah. Well, you gotta love it. The lefties. Trump is Hitler. They're, the government's evil. The patriarchy, patriarchy. What's their answer? More money. Give them more money. I had I got into it with a friend about this the other night, and I felt bad because we hadn't talked in a while, and I didn't realize that he he was um, as fully uh, indoctrinated in the approved message as he was. And I really just tend to ask questions. And it's amazing how angry he was getting at my questions. Mm -hmm. He said, you know, I'm tired of all these white supremacists talking. They can all just shut up. And I said, okay, but why do you want to take their gun? <laughs> like, why do you want to give away your guns then? Because then he went yeah. off on a tangent about that. And I, I'm like, I just want to know the logic. That's yeah. it. And do you he find just, that it ever gets to a logical point? Because I, I've had these conversations with friends and now sometimes former friends. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. He might by, be a former friend. <laughs> yeah. But do you ever find that, like, there's they always move the goalpost, they always change the definition of words, or they change how history is? Like, do you ever find in one of those conversations you can get it? to something that has some shape? We had, you know, he, it, the conversation started because I made the mistake of telling him that I was doing the Glenn Beck radio show. And I didn't even think twice about it because I'm used to, now I occupy a space that's a little bit more centrist and, so I got, I got, I got lazy. Yeah. Glenn is <laughs> a good loose. man, by the way. He's a friend. He's a <laughs> I, decent fella. I, yeah, he I doesn't just, want the government. I didn't have to take my guard over. up, and yeah. I got, I, I was sloppy, yeah. and so I was talking to him, and he just like lost it on me. I was like, "You're going on," the, and I said, "I will have this conversation with anyone who's willing to have a conversation with me about this." What was his implication that Glenn Beck is a white supremacist? Well, yeah, obviously, anyone now that that the whole I, <sighs> th and this is why I'm not sure how we escape from this binary, and I was writing about this yesterday in my journal, because <laughs> I can't write on Twitter anymore. Yeah, yeah. And, um, if you want me, at the end of this, if you want me to tweet out something very powerful like, for you. <laughs> screenshots of my journal. Yeah. Um, please help me. No, I was writing about how, because I'm making, I always try to make sure that I keep myself abreast of the, of whatever is being written on the left as well. And I, I'm not sure how you escape the binary of essentially the Republican Party is the party of white supremacy. And if you are a conservative or a Republican, you are basically doing everything to uphold white supremacy. And you're not saying that's true. You're just saying I'm that's not saying what that's true. Are, I'm saying this is yeah. this seems to be what the messaging is that mm -hmm. as, as I understand it, I could be wrong, but this seems to be what I'm reading and and uh, what I what I'm hearing, and I don't know how you escape that binary. Well, if, I think you relentlessly have to call these people out, mm -hmm. right? I mean, that that's all you can do. It's just not the case. Mm -hmm. It's just not true. 
but they own so much of the media and so much of right. academia and everything else that these messages keep coming through and now you've got a friend of yours probably telling you you're a white supremacist because oh, yeah, you're am. talking to Glenn Beck. I, I, was, I was a white supremacist for doing Ben Shapiro's election special. I mean, that was... There's he, nothing a white supremacist likes more than an Orthodox Jew. <laughs> <all right? laughs> it's, uh, apparently, yeah. apparently you can, that, that can be the case. And so that, that's, um, I recently, I mean, I stepped, into, I stepped into it and it was my own fault. I hadn't had coffee and <laughs> I was tweeting recklessly and I, um, I said something, I came in defense of that white kid that was on the GQ cover and I was, and I said like the war on white men and I meant to put quotes on it because, yeah. And I didn't have coffee, and this is not an excuse that it was like early, and I was like, ah, oh, there's not enough space. What could possibly go wrong? And not thinking, and I got, it was like two days of your garbage, essentially. Your yeah. garbage, I got called the Grand Wizard. And it is weird when you're, you know, being called racist used to be like the worst yeah. insult. And I grew up learning that that was a horrible insult. And so to have that, and somebody kind of stepped, James Lindsay actually stepped in and he was like, Bridget, I see what's happening here. You are up against, you know, like critical theory and yep. you need to just like log out and say nothing because it will all be used as proof that you are a racist, essentially. Yeah. And it was, you know, there's parts of it that were upsetting, obviously, and then parts of it that I was like, this is nuts. Why are you calling me garbage? Would you say that to my face? Yeah, well. They're anonymous and they're on Twitter. They're so. not. These were blue checks. Like they weren't oh, anonymous. Oh, you got some of the blue oh, checks too. Oh, it was. Yeah. It was a. It was a. Yeah. It was a. What do you make? Let's just back up to this point that the because I, I saw this happen to you on Twitter that there were journalists actually trying to stop you from writing a piece. What? what where do you? What do you think about just the state of journalism? Because to me, to me at the moment, especially after the last you know little time with the Mueller investigation, and everything like it's over. It really like CNN and MSNBC, whatever shred of remote credibility they have left, they've destroyed. The New York Times has basically destroyed itself. I don't say any of that with pleasure. Like, yeah. People think I'm saying it like, ha ha, I'm yeah. not. I, if, if those guys could just be a little bit better, but they can't. Or self-reflective. Self-reflect, or just instead of doubling down every time. Right. Like now, now they're all trying to throw Mueller under the bus because he didn't do exactly what they wanted. And now we've got to instigate, investigate him and just more government everywhere. <laughs> and it's like, what are you guys chasing? You're chasing your own shadow. Uh, it, it's the state of journalism is is very worrisome to me because it, and I do sometimes wonder about journalists on Twitter because you need it in one respect, but on the other respect, you see everyone's politics. So right. how could anything that you they wrote be unbiased? Yeah. You know where everyone's coming from, and I do wonder. Did you you know Matt? Um, how do you say his last name? To, to be. Taibbi. Taibbi. Yeah. He wrote a piece a couple... Oh, about the Mueller um, thing, yeah. About, yeah, and yeah. just the state of journalism. And he's been doing some really great reporting, actual journalistic reporting, and he listed all of the links to every single thing that all of these organizations, CNN and the New York Times, have said. And he compares it to the WMD. Um, you know, he... I think he... There are still journalists who are critical of their fellow journalists. Mm -hmm. And... 
the criticism that came to me when I reached out for self-censorship was like, oh, here comes Bridget writing another piece about how Trump supporters are self-censored. No, actually, quite the contrary. That's not what I'm looking for. I'm, I'm wondering how liberals are self-censoring. Mm -hmm. And they don't want to hear it. Generally, somebody said, you know, when you get the most flack when you're over the target. Yeah. And I definitely, just the fact that everyone piled on, they, don't, they do not want to hear how they might be pushing their own party away, people mm -hmm. in their party. And these are the people that they need. There's no more votes to the left, to the far left. You've gone as far left as you can go. Boys and girls aren't different anymore. Right. We can't go any further left. <laughs> well, that's why they want to lower the voting age to 16, though, because, the, <laughs> no, I mean, really, that's it. Lower the voting age, change the Electoral College, add members of the Supreme Court. I mean, these are all ideas <sighs> that are being floated by them right now. Because, yes, there's no, that, that, intersectional competing interest cacophony can't hold forever. You run or out of people to destroy. Or you could just come back a little bit and be somewhat reasonable. If and only somebody had been talking about this for these last five years. <laughs> yeah, but what, do, the do ship you feel? Has sailed, my friend. Do you feel like people are from the left are are kind of? waking up as well or do you feel like they're just is the cognitive dissonance just like i need to just I would double that, down yeah the core of the left where the energy of the left is so like cortez and omar mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. that whole new crew and the democratic socialists mm -hmm. who are only holding on to the word democratic for another year or two and then they'll just be socialists oh, i think they've got all the energy they've got they feel like they have the young people they certainly have the woke media mm -hmm. and what's happening is and this is why i'm actually hopeful uh, because you said you're an optimist. I always say I'm a world-weary optimist. It's mm -hmm. like, I believe that, yeah, they can keep doing that and it will implode on itself. You're gonna have to take down Bernie one day. He's an old white man. Mm -hmm. you'll, you'll, mm -hmm. you'll destroy each other. But what I think mostly will happen is the de decent liberals like yourself will just more and more realize that there is something happening center-right right now mm -hmm. that is not racist, that is based on freedom and liberty mm -hmm. and individual rights mm -hmm. and is respectful of differences and there's some pro-choice people there and some pro-life people and some gay people and straight people. And I think that's where the, the few, I think that's, the, if, if America will continue as a great nation and a free nation, that's the future of it. The other thing, they're not gonna stop. They can't stop. They've had so many chances to stop. Trump's president. Yeah. That well, seems like is, it would have been a reason to reflect. No, this is the crazy thing is the conversation with my friend who might not any be my friend anymore. He said, well, he's not going to win. I'm like, I hear this all the time from people. Mm -hmm. How can you say that he won? You're saying to me the exact same thing that you said in 2016 that you said was impossible. You're saying it's impossible again. Like, how are you saying this? How? I, Cognitive dissonance. I don't understand. I don't understand that. That's where I'm. Uh, that's where I just. I'm like, okay, bye, bye. I try to be. I listen, but there are certain things where I'm. I'm like, I don't understand how you can think that's a logical thought to have. There's no chance it's impossible. Yeah. The thing that just happened. The thing that just happened that you said was impossible. <laughs> and he said, well, you have to understand, Bridget, that when you say that to people, you are basically shitting on all of their hope. And I'm like, well, okay, so now it's my responsibility to take care of everyone else in the world's feelings. And this is the new thing where you're supposed to just manage everyone in the world's. One of the first things I learned in rehab when I was 19 is that it's none of my business how anyone feels about me. Yeah. And now it's like, apparently, I have to make sure everyone around me is okay. 
Because then you can never think about yourself, and that's really what they don't want. It's, it, it's interesting. Or that's what they really want. They don't want you to be able to think about what you really think. So they keep you focused on everybody else all the time. Yeah, I mean, it's, I think we're living in, I'm ex I like, li most people are like, oh, I think it's times that we live in. I love it. Yeah, I think me it's too. exciting. Me and too. I think it's dangerous and terrifying as well. And there are days, you know, when I was getting these emails about how people self-censor, it was, I was in a dark place. And my cousin came over, Maggie, and she said, we need to get you the F out of this like holier in because it was hundreds of hundreds of emails but the language people are using thank you for giving me permission to speak freely thank you for allowing me to i'm so, I, I i don't know if this will end up anywhere but it just feels so good to get that out mm. and these they assume there are these things of people saying you know the the some of the people on the left trolled me and had they were like these intentionally racist things but most of the emails i got were very thoughtful and very um you know, places, there's, people are... Well, it's not people that are staking out far-right positions, I think, is what you're saying, right? No. It's people that are just saying, maybe I'm for low taxes or something, and they're afraid to say it because you're going to, oh, you're a conservative, you're yeah. going to lose your job. Yeah. And also just the way that it's infecting policy, like you say, like we've, has been said on here, and people say that the politics are downstream of culture, so just the way that uh, one man was saying, well, it's, um, we, we really are afraid to criticize the code of certain hires because it could end you up in HR. Mm -hmm. And so, and he's like, and this is code that's kind of important. <laughs> like, these are the soft effects of, you know, on the marketplace and then the, world of ideas that we can't see that we're and you can really only see if you ask for people to be truly honest and fearless or if people start speaking up but you you're not going to see that um because it's so subtle it's yeah. so insidious that's the thing about self-censorship it's so it starts you know it starts in the mind and then and once you start doing it, you just keep going. It's almost impossible to remember that original person. And it's easier to, for instance, you can't burn a book if you get it banned before it's even published. Mm -hmm. I mean, these are things that I deeply concern me. They're it, more concerning. I feel like there's a lot of corruption and stuff that, that we have to take aim at, you know, I feel like... You, it's our job as citizens, and this is really my my big where I stand now is kind of with you, I guess, in the middle and saying like the center must hold. We I had abandoned my job as a citizen of looking critically at everybody. Mm -hmm. And the fact that somebody like myself or you who might be looking critically at things on the right and critically on at things on the right, that's controversial is is very bad news for democracy because that is our job as citizens not to be loyal to some party it's to be 
critical of our leaders uh, and all the people who want to be leaders, not just like on some team. Uh, This isn't like the Red Sox and the Yankees. You mean you shouldn't automatically vote for whoever Katy Perry likes? (laughs) I mean, Taylor Swift's silence is deafening. (laughs) (laughs) It really really is deafening. Uh, We are going to do this many times more. I have no doubt. I'm glad we finally did this. Yeah, thank you. We need people like you out there doing this stuff. We need straight white heterosexual, cisgendered chicks. I mean... If that's basically what you are. I just think people need to know they're not alone. Yeah. I think a lot of people, what I've realized from the self-censorship, people think they're alone. They're not alone. If you're a reasonable person out there and you're feeling like you're going crazy, you're not alone. And there's, you know, reach out to you. Email me, whatever. If you feel, if you're in the dark place, yeah, um, you can get out, out. And there are more yeah. people there, and yeah. find find others who you can speak freely with and have conversations with, because I think that is important. Yeah, well, that's why I'm doing stand up again, and we got to go. We'll do a gig together. Yeah, let's do something together because that's the point of it. Is yeah. really, I'm just messing around with the crowd. We get in that room and we just kind of oh, have that some would be fun. So fun. And it's like I want people to look around the room and be like, yeah, guess what? That guy likes Trump. You like Bernie. It's yeah. okay. We're, we're not killing each other. No. You know? All right, the- so we're. We're gonna we're gonna do that. Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah. I All right. Well, you guys can follow Bridget on Twitter. It's at Bridget Fetizy. Although you will be talking to cousin Maggie, <laughs> but she's she's a lovely woman. I she's assume. amazing. Amazing. We love you, Maggie.